from WEB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Zenobia Chris. And I'm Ethan Sands. And I'm Michael Weirich. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from the Athens and Ohio University communities. This week on The Outlet, hear about how Airbnb could be affecting Athens city policies. I certainly am concerned a little bit about some of the attitudes. I'll do what I want to do. <laughs> I'm going to follow the law. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, I think there will be change and probably it'll go through in some version. Plus, we'll be taking a look back at each of our reporters' favorite stories from this season. Those stories and more coming up right here on The Outlet. Last Tuesday, the City Council Planning Committee listened to residents' opinions about new zoning laws. Proposed zoning laws will allow short-term rentals such as Airbnb and VRBO in R1 zones. The overall idea of more rentals in residential zones was received with criticism. The outlet's Zenovia Chris has more on what could be to come for Athens housing. It's a Tuesday night and every chair in the Athens Community Center Municipal Room is filled. Over 50 people have gathered to voice their opinion about changes to the city's zoning laws regarding short-term rentals. Currently, rules don't prohibit short-term rentals in Athens, but they don't explicitly allow them either. This has created a bit of controversy among homeowners, especially since, right now, houses can be found on Airbnb and VRBO with no regulation. The proposal adds new language that would define short-term rentals and provide regulations for how these homes are rented. If passed, it will allow homestays where individual rooms in a house could be rented out or a tourist home where the whole house is rented out at one time. About 22% of homes in Athens are family-owned. The other 78% are rental properties. Some residents like Alyssa Bernstein are concerned about how the zoning laws could change the dynamic of a small percentage of family-owned homes in the city. This proposal would, um, would be a dagger in the heart of our residential neighborhoods of Athens. And that would transform the entire character of the town. And among the reasons that people want to come here to go to school, to go to Ohio University, and why professors want to come here and settle, and why anybody else wants to come here or stay here after graduating, is because of the character of Athens. And that's very largely dependent on the residential neighborhoods, which now have gotten restricted and reduced to less than 25% of the um, available housing stock. People express the most concern about limited parking and parking enforcement resources, the reduction of owner-occupied as opposed to rented homes, and people coming to Athens only to party, thus disrupting local family neighborhoods. Planning Commission Citizen Representative Nancy Bain thought the open discussion was a good way for people to express their opinions in a controlled environment. It's very controversial. There's a lot of discussion, and you can't seem to get the two sides to get together. And there have been very controversial things before that have gotten sorted out, despite what everybody says. Bain thinks change is inevitable, but a tricky thing to navigate with unknown guests. I certainly am concerned a little bit about some of the attitudes. I'll do what I want to do. I'm not going to follow the law. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, I think there will be change, and probably it'll go through in some version. Bain predicts the zoning laws will go to council by the next session to be held after Thanksgiving. 
For WUB's The Outlet, I'm Zenobia Chris. This year, a historic change in student leadership came to Ohio University's Marching 110. Looking back, outlet reporter Taylor Brook tells us what's different with the band this year. Fierce, fun, and respected. These are the words that members of Ohio University's Marching 110 used to describe their new field commander, Sophia Medved. Fifth-year trumpet section leader Richard Kern says respect came easy to Sophia from the start. She's one of those people that just as soon as she starts speaking, she just takes command of everything that's going on. Um, she, she's not respected because she yells at us. She's respected just because she is an easy-to-respect person. Director of the Marching 110, Dr. Richard Sook, says Sophia's leadership is not only breaking barriers for students now, but also band members that have marched before her. I think it's been a, a source of uh, pride for uh, students who ever marched in the band that have been female. You know, that it, it can be done and, and students can achieve that uh, level of performance and that level of leadership. The Marching 110 was founded in 1923, and women could play in the band up until 1967 when the band became the 110 Marching Men of Ohio. Women were not readmitted until 1975. Although the choice to make Sophia field commander wasn't a decision based on gender, she still feels like the decision will benefit the band for years to come. I think it's really great that the band has chosen a first female field commander. Um, not just that it's me, but that they've chosen first female because change and progression is always good for any organization. Sophia's leadership is already inspiring young female band members like freshman Heather Acock. Every time that she says something like leave her legacy or we do another thing that she has introduced to us, it's inspired us not only to try to be field commander, but it's also inspired us that at the end of the day we can achieve other goals that we wouldn't do. The duties of the field commander include being the band's hype man and a leader when it comes to learning new music and teaching the fundamental marching technique to new members. Sophia has worked hard for three years in hopes of being considered for this position. She says she's honored to be a part of history, but says it's more to her than that. I really want to leave a legacy of being the best field commander I could possibly be. Uh, it doesn't really matter my gender, I just want to leave it all on the field and help the 110 as much as I can. The Ohio University African Student Union celebrated success this year with a major event. The group's annual African Night was sold out and featured a variety of facets of different African cultures. With more on the story, here is the outlet's Zach Depure. African Night is an annual event at Ohio University. It's about celebrating all parts of different African cultures, from the language to the food to everything in between. This year, each table was set up a different African country. This year, each table was set up to a, as a different African country. The hosts played interactive games with each table. After some dances and a fashion show, food from different countries of Africa was served. It was all organized by Ohio University's African Student Union. The ASU is a group on campus dedicated to educating others about African culture. It is comprised of African or Africanist students that want to bring African culture to campus. An Africanist is someone who specializes in African studies. According to its president, Omaru Balerab Abdoulaye, planning for the event was no easy task. It took months to prepare. 
Uh, so honestly, this event, we started the organization from summer. We, uh, we all have been away from Athens in summer, but we kept in touch through Zoom. And so it really took us uh, more than a semester to start to plan this event. All that planning paid off. According to Omaru, the event sold out. We are so amazed this year, really. We, 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 we planned for 250 people. We are sold out since yesterday. We literally have more than, I don't know, how many people who, are really, who really wants to buy a ticket and come in. And that means that they really know that we put together a good event and they really want to come and experience Africa and African culture. And then for those of you who don't stay, I hope that you do stay because, again... Athens Mayor Steve Patterson was there to show his support for these tributes. He gave a keynote address about ASU's importance to the Ohio University and Athens community. Everyone realizes at the end of the day, you know, we all come from the same fabric. It's just that we might come from different locations. Those moments where we all get together and learn from each other, as I mentioned earlier tonight, you know, what, what the African culture does to Athens, Athens County and southeastern Ohio, is it enriches us in our lives. The event required the help of lots of volunteers. The MC of the event, Yao Awoya, was one of those volunteers. Yao says he was initially hesitant, but got on board once he realized how he could be a part of something bigger than himself. Um, I realized it was an opportunity for me, after careful thought, to do something for Africa, especially on a foreign soil. It's actually like the soul of most African students here, because you hardly get this opportunity to meet with fellow African students. But then this program, this activity has given us that opportunity to meet, to get to know ourselves, and to enjoy a good time together as Africans. So it's, it's actually the soul, like I say. I wish this could continue. The ASU does have plans to organize the event again for next year. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Zach DePior. Plenty of candidates were running this year to be city council members at large for Athens. WOUB reporter Ben Schwartz sat down with five of them to discuss what they would bring to the position. Peter Katzis and Patrick McGee have held at-large city council seats for the past two terms. They both cite their professions outside of local government as a reason they fit in well. The business owner, I think, is key because nobody else uh, on council has ever had employees or looked at a profit and loss uh, statement from a, from a business aspect. So I think it's, when we get into those conversations, I think it's important to have that voice there. <clears throat> well, I, I notice that I'm the one that's able to ask the questions. And um, I find that as my experience as I'm a lawyer, I can basically see when somebody is stonewalling me. Uh, that's an important thing because a lot of people come up here and advocate issues that never actually tell you what it's going to cost or who's going to pay for it or what the benefit is going to be and who's going to benefit from it. So, I mean, those are the questions you have to ask and you have to dig. And along with Katsis and McGee, Sarah Grace is finishing up her first term as an at-large council member. Grace says her biggest strength on council is her ability to think in the long term. One of the important things I bring to council and that I've, I've tried to um, really pay attention to is is carefully thinking about the long-term impact of anything that's brought before us. So, and that's thinking about unintended consequences, uh, thinking about long-term health, sustainability, um, and 
making sure I keep in mind the, the different and varied populations. And attempting to win a seat for themselves, however, are a number of first-time candidates. Ellie Hamrick is a self-proclaimed revolutionary socialist and says she's running in support of the working class. Well, I first decided to run because I am angry that Democrats have been in office here in Athens with virtually no opposition for decades. Um, literally the entire lifespan of most uh, college students, um, the Democrats have held power here in Athens with no more than one non-Democrat in office at any time. Um, so they can't go to the Democrats like usual excuse of, oh, we would love to do all these great things, but the Republicans are stopping us. There's no Republicans to stop them here, and they've still chosen not to support um, advancement for the working class. And first-time candidate Beth Cloudfelter says her main focus would be to help women at OU and the surrounding area. Over 30 women told me that they would like it if the city of Athens would improve lighting in areas of town that are not very well lit. So I immediately said, okay, I think I'm going to run to make that happen, and that is now one of my platform planks, is getting better lighting in dark places in the city to keep all of our citizens safer, especially the female college students. House Bill 6, sponsored by Republicans Jamie Callender and Shane Wilkin, if passed, would create the Ohio Clean Air Program. The accrued money from surcharges would provide subsidies to not only companies that produce zero or low carbon emissions, but also to two coal plants. Aditya Sahasrabude talked with the OU students to see how much they knew about the HB6 and problems they faced in the last few weeks. Considered as a bailout by many, the Ohio Clean Air Program would provide $900 million funding over six years to the two nuclear power plants owned by First Energy Solutions and $120 million to two coal plants, one of which is in Indiana. The subsidies would accrue from monthly residential surcharges worth $2.50, while residents would not require paying the green energy mandate charge of $4.39. Although House Bill 6 opponents were positive to take the measure to the November 2020 ballot, fake petition circulation by nuclear bailout advocates seemed to have hindered repeal campaign efforts. Many people mistakenly signed the wrong petition, while others signed multiple times to get away from the irritating convenience caused by the persistent petitioners. Sophomore Lane Heffelfinger says how he signed the petitions numerous times just to avoid getting late to his classes. I've signed it probably three times just to get them to stop asking me. Safe jobs in Ohio and the Chinese intervention narrative created by the proponents of HB6 garnered around 846,000 unnecessary signatures. With this group paying 8 to $9 per signature to reduce competition and shelling out $16.6 million on the entire campaign, anti-HB6 petitioners had little chance to get the required number of valid signatures. As per other reports from Generation Now, another pro-HB6 advocate group hired blockers to sabotage the repeal campaign efforts. Currently, at least two blockers are facing criminal charges. The Office of Attorney General Dave Yost who warned blockers to not harass referendum workers has received nearly 30 complaints about blockers, including allegations of following and harassing circulators. In this burgeoning perplexity of multiple petitioning sides and umpteen narratives in circulation, unfortunately, many people signed petitions with their eyes closed and brains shut. I asked what it was about the first time because, I, I mean, I don't like signing petitions in general but they were like, it's to keep jobs in Ohio. I was like, 
good explanation. I guess I'll sign. But that was about as much as I got out of that. Although the Ohioans against corporate bailout group could not collect sufficient signatures to put the referendum on the November 2020 ballot and their appeal for more time to gather signatures was rejected by the district court judge Sargas Jr., anti-House Bill 6 advocates can still take the matter to the Ohio Supreme Court. For WOUB News, I am Aditya Sahasrabuthi. Passing of HB6 would eviscerate the $4.39 green energy mandate charge and Ohioans would need to pay a monthly surcharge worth $2.50. With the lawsuit challenging the blackout period and criminal charges against blockers in question, the final verdict is expected to get delayed. A few local businesses are celebrating completing a training program designed to help them grow. Mayor Steve Patterson joined them on a trip to London to attend the graduation from Elite, in which Patterson also took part. With more on the story, here is the outlet's Beth Greenman. Your infrastructure meshes totally with this discussion on, on care. Did they discuss the IT? Impact Ohio recently hosted a series of panels at Ohio University in and Conference Center in Athens. The event featured panels about local business and industry growth, as well as public health concerns. Jobs Ohio sponsored the event as local job growth was a featured topic. My understanding is Impact Ohio, it's a nonpartisan group, and they go all over the state and they put on events like this and they want to talk about current events and what are the issues affecting different parts of the state. A lot of the focus is on kind of statewide legislative issues. That's why we had some state elected officials here today. Uh, but then they try to tailor it to specific issues at the region. Obviously, in our part of the state, economic development's a pretty hot topic because we're trailing behind, you know, the rest of the state. Uh, and so I was on one of the panels to talk about economic development. That was Mike Jacoby, president of the Appalachian Partnership for Economic Growth, or APEG. APEG is a nonprofit network partner of Jobs Ohio focused on supporting the expansions of local businesses in Appalachia. Jobs Ohio is a private nonprofit with a specific focus on job growth in the state of Ohio. So we're kind of like the field team for Jobs Ohio. A company would work with us um, initially and eventually if we're going to financially assist one of those companies, they'll be signing a contract with Jobs Ohio, but we get them to the point where they can sign that contract. In 2018, Jobs Ohio asked Mayor Steve Patterson about any businesses that would be interested in Elite, a program run by the London Stock Exchange Group that is focused on giving mid-level businesses training to help them expand. At the end of October, those businesses attended a graduation ceremony in London along with other international businesses that successfully completed the program. Elite has been in operation for many years now uh, internationally. They started in Italy. Uh, and then kind of grew, what it was, was it was um, a group who wanted to expand their, their business footprints, and they wanted to go from being a mid-level, mid-level businesses to take the next leap to become C-suite businesses, you know, uh, um, with more capacity. And so Elite kind of grew to where now I believe it's, it's more than 30 countries uh, around the globe that are a part of the elite group, and elite was also providing training for these mid-level businesses to make the jump to the next level, and London Stock Exchange Group got involved with, uh, with elite as well as time moved on. That was Athens Mayor Steve Patterson.
Athens is the first place in the United States where Elite has trained businesses. But they knew that that was a market they wanted to get into in terms of building relationships and networks for, for you know, hundreds and hundreds of businesses internationally. And so um, this, this year, you know, starting in, well, I actually started the tail end of 2018, uh, uh, Elite, or uh, London Stock Exchange Group, Elite, came to the U.S., and not only did they come to the U.S., they came to Ohio, and not only did they come to Ohio, they came to Athens, uh, and part of that was, you know, um, working through relationships to get Ohio University to help host the training here in Athens. In other firsts, Mayor Patterson is the first city official to have taken part in the training. He says what he learned in Elite has been incredibly helpful in his mayoral duties. Through and I found it immensely beneficial because I'm sitting there now understanding what are some of the things that mid-level businesses who want to make the jump to the next level, what are their needs? You know, what are they looking for? What are they looking for when it comes to workforce? You know, just all kinds of things. And, um, and so, like I said, having gone through that, I feel like I'm a little more savvy in understanding what a city needs to do to, you know, embrace new companies, businesses who are possibly looking for to set up shop, you know, here in Athens. Jobs Ohio has recently faced criticism from Ohio Representative Jay Edwards, who feels the organization has not done enough to help aid job growth in Southeast Ohio. In a Facebook post about the London trip, Representative Edwards said, quote, another all-expense-paid trip by Jobs Ohio, this time to London with ample amounts of fine dining and expensive drinks. They even included local elected officials on this trip. Hopefully, Athens Mayor Patterson asks them why they have forgotten so much about the city slash area he represents, end quote. I understand where the criticism is coming from. Um, you know, we're working really hard to try to get the region caught up. Um, I'm, I am pleased to say that, you know, um, this year we've been able to support global cooling. So we're, we're working with what opportunities we have. Um, and we recently agreed to, um, Jobs Ohio agreed to put more money just in Southeast Ohio for site development. That's not, that's not something that they've done yet anywhere else in the state for speculative greenfield site development. And um, so we're trying to do some things to catch the, the, the rest of the region up. It's going to be, it's not going to be an immediate overnight turnaround. This is a long-term process. But um, pleased to report that we're getting some special help. Well, I understand that uh, Representative Jay Edwards is not happy with Jobs Ohio and, and Jobs and feels that Jobs Ohio needs to invest even more in Southeast Ohio. And you know, uh, I agree that it would be great to see Jobs Ohio invest more deeply in southeastern Ohio. Um, but again, I have seen firsthand that Jobs Ohio has been investing, at least within the city of Athens and Athens County. You know, some of the trends that our region has are a challenge. Uh, we've lost population. Uh, our educational attainment is about higher educational attainment 
is about half of what it is statewide. Um, we've got higher poverty, uh, lower incomes. You know, we've got some pretty significant issues to deal with. Um, and to overcome that is something that we're working on a, on a regular basis. We're typically dealing with a company that's ready to invest and they've got a project and it's going to create some jobs. And we can, we can work with, with those types of companies, but if we're really going to ever catch the rest of the state, we've got some kind of structural changes that need to take place. Mayor Patterson, local business representatives, and Lieutenant Governor John Husted all funded themselves to go to London. According to Mayor Patterson, the biggest benefit of being part of the elite program was the opportunity to network and make international connections. One of those connections may even lead to international investment in Athens. There's a company over in the UK that is interested but also has a presence in Chicago who's interested in one of the opportunity zones here in Athens. Uh, but that connection was made via the, the um, London Stock Exchange Group elite group uh, but also along with Jobs Ohio. So uh, you know, there's some possibilities for potential interesting development in the Stimson Avenue corridor. We call it the Stimson Avenue Gateway, but that's within an opportunity zone. That's a relationship with the UK that wouldn't have happened without this level of engagement with the London Stock Exchange Group slash Elite. For The Outlet, I'm Beth Greenman. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us. The Outlet is co-produced each week by Beth Greenman, Zenovia Chris, Michael Wyrick, and me, Ethan Sands. We're edited by Tish Baidia and Allison Hunter. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to The Outlet on SoundCloud and iTunes, or find us online at woub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at Outlet underscore WOUB, and on Instagram at WOUB underscore Outlet. Thanks for listening.